Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. George Lucas betrayed by Disney. Kevin Feige producing a Star Wars movie. And Mark Hamill telling people to go force themselves on Twitter. Oh, it's been a while, but I'm back. This is Han Talks First. We got a lot to touch on, so let's jump right into it. Episode 20 of Han Talks First. Wow, 20 episodes in. This is crazy, guys. It's been a while. It's been like three weeks on the little Han Talks First hiatus, but I'm back and I missed you guys. It's it's nice to be reunited with my microphone and my computer and this mouthful and earful of Star Wars news that has flooded the gates in recent weeks that I've missed the opportunity to talk about, but I'm really excited to be here now and really j- dive into it and give you guys the rundown. Uh, but before I do, I have some uh, self-endorsement I would like to announce and kind of explain why I've been off the air for a little bit. Uh, there's been a multitude of things going on in my life, but uh, one of the big things why I haven't really been talking about Star Wars recently is because uh, I'm sure you guys know If not, there's been tons of leaks, rumors, whatever the hell you want to call it, that are surfacing right now as we get closer to the release of The Rise of Skywalker, Episode 9. And uh, a lot of them are uh, sourced, or they say they've been sourced, by credible people uh, or people inside Lucasfilm, people that have worked on the movie. And similar to, like, every release, the closer we get to it, the more we know about it. And... That scares me a little bit. I try and stay away from it. I know Reddit is one of the main sources where we're getting all of this um, information from. And, of course, it's all just hearsay. We don't know anything for a fact. Nothing has been officially sourced or credited. It's just all hearsay. But I'm on Reddit every single day. It's my home page, so that's where... I see most of that content, and I try to avoid it as much as I can. But everywhere you go, YouTube, um, any IGN, whatever, they always put the spoiler content in their headlines just so they can get clicks and you know stuff. Like I I understand. I got to do the same thing. Um, but I really try to avoid it, and because of that, I've been avoiding a lot of Star Wars content, and it's it's made me kind of just take a step back from any Star Wars in my life, and it's caused me not wanting to talk about it as much. But I have figured out a way to filter out all of the spoilers and rumors and whatever, because I really want to go in to this last movie with a a fresh palette. I'm I'm going through the cleanse right now. Uh, So far as to I am not watching anything Star Wars until... Um, later this month, I think it's this month, um, towards the end of October, I'm going to start the countdown to The Rise of Skywalker, where each week before will be dedicated to one of the saga films, and I'm going to watch them chronologically, starting with The Phantom Menace. And it starts at the end of this month. I can't remember which day, but that's good for you guys to know because I'm also going to, with that, probably do a watch along with my commentary and or a review on each movie as or after I watch them. Um, but it's crazy to think, huh? We're, we're, we're that close to this movie. We're that close to the end of Star Wars. That, that's also saddening to me. You know, we... Uh, the most fun part about Star Wars is speculating on it and talking about it with friends and riding that hype train all the way to the release and then it comes out and we'll see it a couple times and but then it, it we move on and we focus on the next installment and that's the last of the Skywalker trilogy so this, this is a big deal and I'm playing my cards carefully with what I talk about on this show so don't worry 
if you're listening, I'm not going to have any spoilers or leaks or rumors, whatever you want to call it, on this show. It's going to be completely spoiler-free up until the release of the movie. So you don't have to worry about having anything ruined for you for the movie because I don't want that for myself. So now that that's out of the way, let's do what we've always done and talk some Star Wars. So first, there's a lot of news, at least on this podcast. I'm sure most of you know about it, but I have been out for a couple weeks, so I have missed the opportunity to talk about it, and I'm going to do as best a job as I can to cover what we've missed. But uh, the first thing I'll mention, which I talked about in the cold opening, is this Mark Hamill situation. He took to Twitter again to express some political ideology. Uh, We all know he's very much against the Trump administration. He does not like Trump at all. Um, uh, Funny, he even takes it as far as to hate on his immediate family members. So Ivanka Trump, which is Donald Trump's daughter, uh, posted a picture of her and her family on Twitter. Uh, Her kid was in a Stormtrooper outfit, and they were playing with Star Wars toys or something, and she just captioned it as, the force is strong in my family. And Mark Hamill replied to that and said, you misspelled fraud. Hashtag go force yourself. (laughs) So he was trying to say the fraud is strong in my family. And a lot of people are giving him crap for it. And I get it. I get it from both sides. But I understand why people are giving him crap for it because he's attacking the... Uh, the the kids of Trump and also the grandkids of Trump and essentially telling them to go fuck themselves, uh, but using force as the uh, pun. And so a lot of people are giving Mark crap for it, just kind of being like, you know, they don't have anything to do with it. It's just the kids, like, and the I mean, the grandkids, they're just kids. Leave them alone. They're just, everyone can enjoy Star Wars, which is true. Everyone can enjoy Star Wars. But this dude really hates the Trump family. And, um, you know, that's what Twitter is, the freedom of speech, so he can say whatever the hell he'd like to. And he's done making Star Wars movies, so now he can literally say whatever he'd like to. <laughs> he's no no more contracts held against him. He doesn't have a, a, a job that he needs to, uh, you know, watch his reputation for. So uh, I don't think he cares. I don't know. I haven't seen a, a statement saying he apologizes or anything, but... Um, I see it from both sides. I just think it's funny, and I wanted to share it. But um, you can go see it for yourself. But uh, Mark Hamill, he might hate the Trump family more than he hated The Last Jedi after seeting this tweet. <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty big deal, and also I understand why. <clears throat> but this isn't a politics show. So the next piece of news is pretty cool. We got a couple new photos, posters, um, promo art for The Rise of Skywalker released by Empire Magazine, um, and they're also going to have a bunch more exclusive content coming when they release their magazine this October 3rd, so this Thursday, guys, so keep a lookout and go check it out. And um, But they did release some of the photos, one of which is Kylo Ren in a hangar bay, and there's a bunch of stormtroopers around him, and they're all being blown away by something and the stormtroopers are knocked down and Kylo Ren is like bracing himself towards whatever force is pushing them all away it's a really cool shot I'm very curious to see what it could be my theory is that it is a ship inside of that hangar that is either piloted by Ray or somebody else but they're escaping and the, they're they're behind the engine, so they get the the heat of it. But it's a really cool photo. I highly recommend checking out. And, and along with that came a new photo of the Knights of Ren, which looks really cool. Um, it looks very medieval, which is kind of the vibe we got from the Force Awakens from the initial time we saw them. And they don't look like Force users. Um, you know, they're holding. It looks to be like guns, grenades, bullets. 
and this is all attached to their clothing. So, and like medieval type weapons as well, like an axe and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if they're, they could be force sensitive, but maybe they're not as force sensitive as <clears throat> Kylo is. Kylo's special, I guess, because he has a Skywalker blood, but maybe not everyone else can be that powerful in this new age of the resistance as it has been titled <clears throat> this recent celebration. Or, I'm sorry, D23. And along with that, we got the cover art for the magazine, the Empire magazine. Uh, there's two of them, collector's editions. One has Kylo and one has Rey, and when you put them side by side, their lightsabers are clashing. Um, nothing new about it. I mean, you can see little tiny details in the lightsaber that Rey is holding. And here's something really interesting. It's not... Luke Skywalker's slash Anakin's lightsaber. It's not the lightsaber she's holding. I don't know if anybody else caught that, but that's not the legendary uh, Skywalker lightsaber that she's holding there. So we'll have to see what that means. Um, there they go subverting our expectations again. But also on Kylo's cover, you see his helmet um, fused back together and with um, red shining out of the uh, the cracks in it, which is kind of interesting. So I wonder what that means. But the cover is really cool. And then on the inside, we have um, new promo art. And uh, similar to the covers, each side has its own theme. One's blue, one's red. And we've seen all these characters before. We've seen all the ships before in the trailer. Uh, the only thing we haven't seen in the trailer is the this new Sith Troopers. Or uh, Anthony Daniels in his, uh, with his uh, Chewbacca gear, which is really cool. But anyway, go just look up Empire, Rise of Skywalker, new photos, Google it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's really cool stuff, and um, <clears throat> I was happy to see it. Some other news that happened was we had the Triple Force Friday panel. Now, it's not Triple Force Friday yet, but it will be uh, really soon, so look out for that. And it's just, it's all the new toys, comics, books, releases, and a bunch of announcements on um, merchandising <clears throat> and some stories and stuff like that. But we did get the panel that was hosted by Warwick Davis, and it was, it was really fun. Uh, they brought in some of the characters and cast members, and um, they opened up these Hasbro, Lego, and Funko <clears throat> dolls, characters. A lot were really cool. My favorites were the Black Series figures. I really want the Rey character. She looks really good. And also there's a new Black Series gold figures of C-3PO, BB-8, and R2-D2 in a one collection box, which is really... It looks really cool. So if you haven't seen it, it's on the Star Wars channel. Go check it out. One thing that was really interesting, we got a, a, um, an exclusive sneak peek at a new character, actually two new characters in The Rise of Skywalker from this panel, one of which is <clears throat> a really tiny character that I can't remember the, his name, but he's a droid builder, and he comes with the C-3PO Black Series figure. And they didn't give any information about it, except Anthony Daniels said that he's his best friend. And they were very secretive about who he was and stuff. But my theory is that he, since he's a droid maker, he does some <clears throat> work on C-3PO and turns him into this battle droid, essentially, which is why we saw the red eyes in the trailer. So that's just my theory. If you haven't seen this new figure... Uh, like I said, just go to, go to the Star Wars channel on YouTube and check it out. It's really interesting. Um, the other n exclusive character we got to look at was Julio. We got the Lego figure of him. And he, he's just a new alien. And it, he comes with the Falcon, the Millennium Falcon. So I can only assume he is a hmm, mechanic or a pilot engineer or something. 
something to do with the Millennium Falcon. Maybe he's a buddy of Lando, but we'll see. Uh, that was pretty much it for the Triple Force Friday panel. We'll know more coming on Friday all about that, which should be exciting. Uh, two more things of news here, and then I'm going to move on to the main stories. Uh, recently, Filoni sat down with IGN and gave some more information about the Mandalorian TV show, which is coming even sooner than Episode Nine, which is really exciting. I'm just going to read a quick quote that he said about the show. So Filoni says, This show is dealing with a character that, to me, he's a bounty hunter. He's on the edge of things himself. Where, in the movies, we deal more with Luke, who's a character coming into his own. But he wants to do the right thing. And when you're dealing with the Jedi, they're obviously trying to uphold what's good in the light side of the Force. I think that what's unique about the Mando is he's basically a guy that's just trying to make a living in the galaxy. He's a survivor, and he's just trying to find his way on a day-to-day basis. And I think that leads to very interesting character moments and stories for him that are apart from some things we've seen the Jedi deal with more directly. He comes from a different angle because he's a different type of character than they are. End quote. So that kind of sheds some light on this new TV show. It's going to be very character-driven. Sounds like we're going to stay outside of the lore of Star Wars as far as... um, Prodigies, Skywalker family, um, <clears throat> and Sith Jedi. We're just going to steal it, go into like everyday life of people in the galaxy, which should be cool. And along with the show, we're going to learn more about how the First Order came to be the new uh, empire, so to speak. Uh, of course, him and John Favreau talked more about getting ready for season two and working on that. And Filoni talked more about George Lucas. He always talks about George. Every time he talks, he just, he, he really was um, inspired by George Lucas and really respected his work, and as we all should. Um, but he always has nice things to say about him and how he, if it wasn't for George, then he'd have no place in any of this. Um, They also did show the new uh, ship that the Mandalorian is going to be uh, piloting, and it's called the Razor Crest. And if you'd seen footage from Celebration this year, we got to see how they did the effects to be in the movie, and most of them are practical, used with models. And so we see another exclusive photo of the Razor Crest ship in this IGN article. And it looks really cool. It looks like one of those low-altitude clone ships from the Attack of the Clones movie. So that looks pretty cool. But we've only seen a little bit of it. We haven't seen the whole thing. So it should be pretty cool. Last bit of news. This is about the Obi-Wan series that's going to be on Disney+. Plus. I'm actually kind of shocked we got this much information already about the show. So check it out. The show is going to come out in 2021. That's really not that far off. I thought we were going to get it a lot later. I mean, the next big Star Wars movie is going to be 2022. But we're going to get Obi-Wan before that, which is awesome. And also it takes place eight years after a Return of the... Sorry, Revenge of the Sith. So that's what we know about the story itself and when it's coming out. Now, we did get the name of the director and the writer of the show. So the writer is, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Hossian Amini. And she is a writer who has written for the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling. She's written for television, most notably The Alienist and McMafia. I've never heard of... Well, I've heard of Drive, but I've never seen it, and I've never heard of the other two TV shows. <clears throat> so, how much she knows about Star Wars and Obi-Wan, I don't know, but that's the writer for the show. Now, what's really interesting to me is the director of this series. Her name is Deborah Chow. And what has she done? I have no idea. <laughs> She's done 
a lot of television, but none of which I recognized any names, so I won't even uh, go into it. I've never seen anything either. Um, but apparently she got this job because not only of her success with television, but she directed two episodes of The Mandalorian. And so she and the writer will be the showrunners for this show. I don't know what to make of this yet. Uh, I'm a little concerned, as I always am, with any new Star Wars uh, content we get or we hear about. I was concerned about The Mandalorian when it was first announced, but now I'm hyped for it. But as far as this, I don't know either of these two people. Um, I don't know how invested they are into the story. I mean, obviously they are now because they're going to be making it and dedicating their lives to it and their work to it, but um, I haven't heard of them before, so I'll be interested to see their work, especially on uh, The Mandalorian. <clears throat> but apparently, according to Kathleen Kennedy, who handpicked both of them for these roles, um, apparently they're the right people for the job. But what's interesting is she said that about Everybody she's ever hired, including the people that she has fired off projects. Um, Lord and Miller, for example, on Solo. Colin Trevorrow on Episode 9. Um, and then uh, all that mess that was going down with Rogue One. Um, she says this about everybody. She's the president of the company and the producer on all these projects, so she has to, she's going to say that. Um, but that doesn't mean she's always right. Now, this is who's attached to the project now. It could change... It could not, but we'll see. Uh, that's it as far as the little news. Now, for my big stories, um, the first one I want to touch on is the George Lucas betrayed headlines that are everywhere on the internet. So, let's jump right into that. The backstory is Robert Iger, Bob Iger, Uncle Bob, whatever you want to call him, came out with a biography, a memoir, whatever you want to call it, a new book. And it's titled The Ride of a Lifetime, which I have ordered and I cannot wait to read it. So the information I'm going to give you is just from what I have heard other people talk about it or I have read about it. So after I get the book and read it, which I'm Really looking forward to reading. I am a big fan of Bob Iger. For those of you who don't know who he is, he is the CEO of Walt Disney Company. And he's responsible for a lot for Disney Plus, for purchasing Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, uh, the Disney Parks. Uh, he's responsible for Bl the Black Panther movie. He's responsible for a Captain Marvel movie. Uh, he's... He's an innovator, he's a creator, he's um, a very smart businessman. He ran ABC for a long time, and he's been at the top of Disney for 15 years, and he's got another, I think, two more in him, and then he's retiring. Um, but he played a huge role in the purchase of Lucasfilm Star Wars, and in chapter 11 of the book, he talks all about it from start to finish, including f starting from the 80s when they first started doing Star Tours, the ride, and up till now to the purchasing of Lucasfilm, signing the papers, talk, meeting with George, everything like that. And... <clears throat> A lot of the people talking about this are um, saying that, you know, Disney is the bad guy in this situation and that this book is really not going to look good on him and stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you that I think this is good news and there's a lot of good to come out of this story and I'm going to tell you why. But first, let me tell you what happened. So in the book, he talks about purchasing Lucasfilm, having the talks with George Lucas himself about wanting to him to re he wanted to retire and he wanted his company to go into good hands and he thought Disney was that company and Bob Iger made the offer of 4.5 billion dollars and settled with George during their meetings and terms of agreements and stuff like that George had pitched his outlines for episode 7, 8 and 9 along with side stories 
and other miscellaneous projects that they had at the Lucasfilm headquarters. So George Lucas did write out from start to finish an outline for the last trilogy of Star Wars. And he pitched that to Bob Iger and Alan Horn, who is the head of studio at Walt Disney uh, Pictures. And he says in the book, as soon as they read it, they knew they had to purchase it. Which tells me there must have been some gold shit in there. Must have been really good. And then they got J.J. Abrams on board, and they were getting all the paperwork together, getting signing, like figuring out what to spend on it, and blah, blah, blah. And during that, George Lucas was trying to protect himself, and he brought in Kathleen Kennedy uh, to take over his position as president of the company without talking to Bob Iger. So he was already looking out for himself and making sure that someone could fulfill and uh, could carry out his vision with the company. So he brought in Kathleen Kennedy, which was a longtime friend of his. They've worked on many projects together, and she said yes, and that kind of changed things for the Disney company, but they went with it anyway. And so at that point, everyone involved had seen the outlines, and George assumed it was ready to go. In the contract it stated that they were not bound to make these movies based on that outline and they could stray from it or make their own thing do whatever they wanted uh george just assumed that with the talks he had with bob Iger, that he they were gonna be faithful to those outlines and follow them them and have him on as a consult and help them make the movie together so after a couple months of development for these this new trilogy uh jj abrams and kathleen kennedy and bob Iger went up to meet george lucas at um in san francisco and show him their outlines based on his original drafts of the script and they completely changed everything they took a few things here and there such as the character of ray kylo and uh luke skywalker and they just built a new, brand new story based around that. And Bob Iger states that when they pitched that to him, he was uh, just very upset, very emotional, and um, was not happy with that decision. But And Bob Iger states that it was his fault that he didn't make it clear to George that they were going to, stray away from it and it kind of caught him off guard when they were telling him they already had a plan and they weren't really going to use his plans at all so he wasn't too happy and at that point he decided to cut himself off from being a creative on the project and just be there as a a consultant for the movies going forward Uh, there's more to it again I haven't read the book but once I do I'm going to bring it to you and share my thoughts then but uh, he did stay on as a consultant and did help in small ways with the movie. But overall at that point, like he said on that Charlie Rose interview, he decided he was out and he was going to step back, let them make their movies and just hope that they turned out well and were something the fans would enjoy and hope that they would honor bits and pieces of his original outline and that the best would come out of that. They did try to maintain a good relationship with George Lucas. They um, made him, the first one to be able to view The Force Awakens before anybody else, and he was he didn't shy away from showing that he was not impressed or happy with the result, which kind of shocked me because I love The Force Awakens. But he was saying how there wasn't anything visual or uh, visually or technologically ad- advancing or improved upon in this new Star Wars movie, and that's what Star Wars movies have been about since the beginning, was making those enhancements to visuals and technology and kind of breaking records, uh, breaking the mold, just doing things that had never been done before, and he didn't see that in the new movie. And I agree with him. You know, they they used state-of-the-art technology, the CGI is great, everything looks beautiful, but... Um, it was nothing new. They didn't create something new for specifically for this movie. And visually speaking, it's just a retelling of a past tale. 
um, like most of us figured out. And what's funny is George Lucas was the first one to realize that. And he said it in that meeting. And what I love about George is that he keeps those conversations between those four individuals. He doesn't go out to public and say, oh, these movies are trash, blah, blah, blah. And the reason is, one, because he's a very respectable man. And two, he is one of the primary shareholders in the Walt Disney Company. So for him to publicly speak poorly on these movies would be to hurt his investment. Uh, Just a side note, George Lucas is also an incredible businessman because when he sold his company, he got $4.5 billion for the company. But since he is a, a primary shareholder, it like more than doubled his investment because he has so much invested into the Disney company already and prior to this deal. Uh, but anyway, so uh, there's more to this story. Once I read the book, I'll tell you guys about it. But that's what that's what I know. It's like the the gist of it. Now, why do I think this is good news? Because I don't see it as George Lucas being betrayed and everything. That's the headline. That's what everyone will tell you. But I think this is good because it shows that there was an outline from the beginning. And they used bits and pieces, such as the character of Rey, the character of Kylo, and all this stuff. And they've been going back to it here and there. And they even mentioned how the uh, relationship between Luke and Rey was similar to how it was in The Last Jedi. Not as uh, intense as The Last Jedi made it out to be, but there was the idea of Luke being a a little hesitant to teach Rey in the outline. And, of course, during the Celebration trailer, when we heard Palpatine's laugh and Kathleen Kennedy's interview afterwards stating that there was always the plan for Palpatine to return in the ninth movie... That tells me that they probably took that from the outline that was originally constructed by George Lucas. I think they've been taking bits and pieces from it from the beginning. So I think this is good news because I think there's a plan for these Star Wars movies. From the beginning, I was always certain that there was no plan. They were winging it as they went on, and they were just hoping that they could make a, a good story and they could figure out the plot points as they went along. But now I feel like maybe they were taking these major plot points from the outline that George came up with and using it in their film and trying to create their own story around it. And that might be why The Last Jedi kind of feels a little funky because it's trying to follow along this outline while making a a different story in the the subplots. So... I think it'll all come together in The Rise of Skywalker. That, this makes me really excited. I could be completely wrong, and they're not taking anything from this original outline, but I could be right. So this makes me happy. Uh, I really hope someday we can get to see the original outlines for George Lucas because we know he wanted to go into the microbiotic world of the Force and discover the meaning behind it and really dive into that. I think it would have been more of um, a less adventure film more of a mystery, uh, more of a uh, celestial film. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I just I know if George Lucas would have done it, I would have loved it. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't have, and that's what George said. That's why he didn't make the movie because he knew a lot of more a lot more people would like it if someone else made it, and I respect him for that as well. So that's it for the George Lucas stuff. Like I said before, once I read the book, I'm going to give it to you how it is. I'm actually more excited to read this biography than I am to finish <laughs> this Thrawn trilogy, which is kind of weird for me to say, but um, check it out. If you like, and not just Star Wars, but I, I guess uh, businessmen memoirs or Marvel or uh, Pixar or whatever, Disney in general, it, it's probably going to be a really good book. I'm excited. But anyway, this takes us to the last segment today, the last big story I got for you, and it's pretty awesome. So, Kevin Feige, the CEO of Marvel, the guy that created the MCU, is making a Star Wars movie. So this was announced last week, a couple days ago, that 
Kevin Feige will be producing a standalone Star Wars movie. It was uh, pretty much announced by Alan Horn, the head of the studio. We talked about him earlier. And Alan Horn mentioned how it just made sense for Kathleen Kennedy to produce a Star Wars movie alongside Kevin Feige, who is also a major fan. And I agree with him. Working, both of them working together is going to make for one hell of a movie. That's like two of the best producers in the world right there. Uh, could be the next big classic. I'm, I'm a huge fan of this news. When I first heard it, I saw it like as a, a caption on Instagram uh, with Kevin Feige's face, and I was like, mm, you know, that'd be nice, but I, <laughs> I didn't believe it at first. And so I kind of just let it go. And then <laughs> that night I got a text from my girlfriend, and she was just like, oh, my God, did you see? And she sent me, like, a tweet or something. Or, no, she just said, Kevin Feige, Star Wars. And then I was, I, like, sat down after I read it, and I just closed my eyes, and I was like, oh, thank God, it's finally happening. So I'm pretty excited about this. Along with it, he also announced that there is an actor in mind for the movie that is currently in existence in the MCU. So... There's already somebody in mind, which means there's probably already a story in mind. Uh, there's people speculating on who they think it can be. Some of the big ones that I've seen mentioned are Sebastian Stan, Brie Larson, and Chris Evans. Uh, the last two went as far as to comment on it on their social medias. Uh, Chris Evans went to Twitter and commented on someone saying, who do you want to see in the next Star Wars movie? And Chris Evans just said, me. And Brie Larson posted to Instagram and said, it just was a picture of her with a lightsaber at Galaxy's Edge and captioned it. Did somebody say Star Wars? And she disabled the comments on that uh, photo. I'm curious why, but so it could be one of those three. The rumor is Sebastian Stan would play a young Luke Skywalker, which he does look just like Mark Hamill in his younger days. Um, I don't think it's going to be Sebastian Stan. I mean, that'd be really cool. I'd be down for it. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like everyone's really hooked on the idea that we're going to stray away from the Skywalker stories and talk about something new. Uh, while I'd still love to see it, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, Brie Larson and Chris Evans, I don't know. I can see Chris Evans and Brie Larson both being Jedi, but probably nothing else. I couldn't see either of them as a villain. Um, and me and my girlfriend talked a little bit about this too. Um, and we were talking about people we'd like to see in the movies. <clears throat> but as far as if I were to see one of those two, I, I think Chris Evans could definitely be a Jedi of the Republic days. And also Brie Larson being a Jedi in the Republic days, kind of as <clears throat> a member of the council. I would mostly relate her in my head to a Samuel L. Jackson type character. She... <clears throat> I don't know. I could just see her with a uh, purple lightsaber and just very um, uh, serious demeanor like Sam Jackson had and just very smart and knowledgeable on the Force and the Jedi and the history as a whole. Um, but I'd like to tell you a little bit about who I think I can see being in this Star Wars movie that was in the MCU. First off... Tilda Swinton, I think she would make a really fine addition, <clears throat> possibly as like an elder or an oracle, someone who knows the Force, I guess kind of like a Maz Kanata, but a little bit more deeper and a little more sophisticated uh, with a, a larger role. Uh, but Tilda Swinton, also bringing back Sam Jackson, I think that'd be cool. He is from the MCU, and he could reprise his role as Mace Windu because he did not die when he fell off uh, that building. He's still alive, and he's coming for revenge. Um, and finally, Tom Holland. <clears throat> uh, I'm like 
I'm torn with this one. I'm like 50-50. I think he could definitely be in it, but if he did, he would have to get rid of his uh, kid fun behavior and kind of take on a brand new role, <clears throat> which is unfair for me to say because I haven't seen him in anything except for Spider-Man. So, But that could be an option too. And <clears throat> I know this was kind of breaking news, but I predicted this myself in my head a, for a long time. And the reason why I saw this coming, and I'm going to explain, but I also think it's why some other people are coming in for this movie as well, and I'll tell you who in a minute. But <clears throat> last year, April 25th, um, Kevin Feige went on the Star Wars show. And they shoot it in San Francisco at Lucasfilm headquarters. And, you know, it's not like he can just... Why would he just swing by to be on that show to give a two-minute interview on his love for Star Wars and not have any other reason to be there? I think he was in negotiations to make a Star Wars movie or to be involved somehow... For a long time. I think this has been in negotiations for a while. I mean, it only makes sense. He's one of the best producers at Disney right now. And he's obsessed with Star Wars. While he was on the Star Wars show, he talked about um, the history and how he got into Star Wars. But he, before Marvel, before filmmaking or anything, he wanted to make movies. And he was inspired by A New Hope from the beginning. And he used to collect all the toys. He mentions this in his interview. And it when everything he's done up till now has been inspired by the Star Wars franchise and what they've accomplished. And a good example is when Marvel celebrated their 10-year anniversary, Kevin Feige took the idea of the anniversary promotion and um, the event, and he took that from the Star Wars 10-year anniversary – 30 years ago. And he goes on to say that he went into filmmaking because of A New Hope. He actually knew more about Star Wars than Marvel. He read Marvel comics casually, and he wasn't as big into it. But <clears throat> he did for Star Wars and stuff like that. And he discovered that you could tell original stories based on the source material with the comics. And that's how he got into making movies for Marvel. Because until he became part of the company, he realized he could have a more creative hand. And one of the big uh, source materials he loved from Star Wars was the Star Wars source book by Western Games. And it's a huge encyclopedia, kind of, of all the lore and character details, history, and uh, behind the masks of the characters from A New Hope. And he said he, like, studied this book. He collected all the characters. He learned about them. He was like, oh, the, uh, the, the walrus man has a name and a history and a background, along with all the other characters in that cantina bar. And he just found that fascinating. So I think if we want to get an idea of what, kind of movie Kevin Feige is going to make for Star Wars, we can start by looking at this source book. So you can bet that I am going to find it online somewhere and purchase it and get an idea of what's going through Kevin's head. Because if he is going to work on this movie as he's worked on all his movies in the past, he's probably going to take ideas from stories that have already existed and adapt them into a modern tale. So... I kind of had a feeling this would happen. I thought if it did happen, it would be Kevin Feige stepped down from Marvel and transitioned to Lucasfilm or just transitioned to becoming an independent producer and working on any project he wanted to do. But this is even better. He gets to stay with the MCU and he gets to make a Marvel movie. I mean, sorry, a Star Wars movie. Now, a couple weeks, months, I can't remember how long after he was on the Star Wars show, there was two other guests that were featured on the Star Wars short, and it was Joe and Anthony Russo, the guys that did Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. And the same thing went through my head. I was like, 
why are they going on to a Star Wars uh, show? Like, it's it's very far away, and you only get, you know, a couple minutes to talk up there. So I think, just like Kevin Feige, they were up there to express interest in wanting to make a Star Wars movie. Because they also go into how Star Wars was a big impact on what they wanted to do with their lives and make movies and stuff. And that they've taken ideas and themes from Star Wars and put it into their own movies that they've done for the MCU. So it might be a stretch. I don't know, but that's wishful thinking for me. I I think the Russo brothers are going to come in. They're going to direct a Star Wars movie with Kevin Feige producing and Kathleen Kennedy producing. And it's just going to be a kick-ass movie. Now, when is this going to happen? We have absolutely no idea. Let's look in the future. We have The Mandalorian and Star Wars Episode Nine coming out this year. Next year, 2020, there's... I don't think there's anything that's been announced. We have a celebration in April, and they'll probably do some announcements then. I... They'll probably do an Obi-Wan special and show the trailers and stuff like that at that celebration because Obi-Wan Kenobi's coming out in 2021. And we also know next year we have The Mandalorian Season 2. Oh, I'm sorry. We, in 2020, we might get Cassian Andor. That would make sense. So 2020 is going to be a little slow, but 2021 we'll have Cassian, Mandalorian, and the Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then 2022, we have that new strand of trilogies, or just one trilogy, that'll take place from 2022 to 2026. So I don't know where Kevin's movie's going to fit in. <clears throat> I really hope it's not going to be exclusive to Disney+, Plus because that kind of depreciates the event value of this movie. And I don't know, it's if it's going to have that that spirit from the Marvel movies and it's going to have the essence of a Star Wars movie I feel like that needs to go on the big screen but I don't know they did say they're going to have a slowdown with Star Wars movies on the big screen so I guess we'll just have to wait and see now something I did also think about you know it's said that Ryan Johnson is still going to have his trilogy what if Kevin Feige is coming in to produce Ryan Johnson's movies? <laughs> and when I thought... So I'm not interested in seeing Ryan Johnson's movies. Uh, not at all. If, if, he makes, if he ends up making a Star Wars movie or a trilogy, whatever, in the future, I'm, I'm going to watch it because it's Star Wars. But my hype for it, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to go into it with any expectations. I'm not going to be as excited as I am for, you know, The Rise of Skywalker or anything. I mean, I'm not even going to go watch Knives Out in the theater because I I know I'm probably not going to like that movie because of how he tells the stories. And I don't know. I just don't want to go through that feeling again. But if Kevin Feige is on the project with him, that changes everything. Because we know Kevin Feige likes to have a huge hand in it and as far as creative control. And if Ryan Johnson was making a Marvel movie, <clears throat> I don't think he would have gotten away with pretty much anything he got away with in Star Wars. Um, but then again, that's Kevin Feige's baby. So... <clears throat> Kathleen Kennedy will still be overseeing everything in the Star Wars movie. I don't know. But that would make me excited to see a Ryan Johnson movie. Isn't that weird? I don't know. I honestly don't think Ryan Johnson's going to have his trilogy. I think he's going to, quote, walk away <clears throat> from from it and focus on, quote, other projects. I'm, that, that's going to happen. They're going to wait to announce it. But the truth is they can't risk making another Ryan Johnson movie and having this backlash. Because back to the book that Bob Iger wrote, when they bought Lucasfilm, they went, they had to research their uh, 
budget history and uh, their profit history and how the numbers look. And the truth was that Lucasfilm, if they want to make a movie, they don't have the resources or the money to just focus on making a good product and putting it out as quickly as possible with a due date. They take their time with their process because they don't have a lot of resources. And, I mean, that's different now with Disney, but if you got to like look at your, your track record and focus on what you're making. So I don't think that Luke, I don't think Lucas Foden would want to do that again. It was, it was already very risky. But anyway, that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, it's good to be back. I'm going to try to go back to doing a weekly episode. So thank you so much for listening. Check out the social media if you want to. If you want to hit me up, share your Star Wars story, ask me some questions, whatever you'd like. And I'll be back next week. Some topics of discussion that are coming up are we have Females of the Force Part 2. We have an episode on the balance of the Force, what it means. Uh, along with every new detail that's coming about about the Star Wars Episode 9. Except spoilers. Spoiler free. We're going to keep it that way. As a little thank you for sticking with me through this three-week hiatus of making podcast episodes, I'm giving you guys a little treat. So I'm going to close out today's episode with a extended version of my Star Wars theme that's played at the beginning of every episode. And let me know what you guys think. If you want me to keep working on it, and play a full version of this score, let me know. But here it is. This is the... It's unfinished, by the way. But here is the extended version of the Han Talks First music score. Do it. May the Force be with you. Mm-hmm.